Well, that's Christmas over with. Not already. I know you were so excited about opening your Doctor Who stocking, weren't you? It's not a stocking, it's a bottle. At least it's beer. You think it's beer? It's, uh, that's very don't, interesting. Don't tell anyone about the beer until it happens. But it's, it's nice. Oh, is it nice? Yeah, that's good. Let's just drink beer mm. all through the entire podcast. Mm. At least, at least we should take turns drinking beer, and then someone can speak while the other one's drinking. Your turn. No, let's just let's just 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 just, just. let's just drink beer all the time and stumble over words. That is quite nice. I told you. Our it, entire it, podcast is ruined now because we're just going to be drinking this beer all. The beer spoiled the podcast. Anyway, I suppose we should get on to the uh, synopsis. So what episode do we have this time, guys? Okay. We have The Rescue. The first episode is called The Powerful Enemy. On a stranded ship, a young woman, Vicky, discovers ship has landed on the planet and informs the other member of the ship's crew, Bennett, who is sceptical of it being the rescue ship that they're expecting. Vicky contacts the rescue ship to discover it's still on its way. Back in the TARDIS, Ian and Barbie find that they have landed whilst the Doctor was sleeping, so they wake him. They leave to find themselves in a cave, but the Doctor goes straight back into sleep. Must be enjoying his chance to rest now Susan's gone. Ian and Barbie leave the cave to search for the Holy Grail. They see a crashed ship in the distance, and an alien approaches. Ian goes back to fetch the Doctor for him, whilst leaving Barbara with the alien, who questions her three. Despite getting the first question right, he's already had enough of her and throws her off the cliff anyway. Score one for the gatekeeper and physics. He then seals the other two in the cave. I like the emphasis on seals there. The Doctor, having been to the planet before, seems to remember the indigenous aliens being a peaceful race. Back in the ship, the alien, Kequillian, confronts Vicky for leaving the ship, reminding her that he's... What was his name? Kequillian. Oh, right, okay. He uh, reminds her that he's protecting them from his people and could not save the occupants of the ship that had arrived earlier. Once he's left, Barbie comes out of hiding and she introduces her to Bennett. Minus one point for physics. One point for Barbara. Yeah. Are you cheering for Barbara now? I am always cheering for Barbara. Okay. Meanwhile in the cave, Ian and the Doctor encounter an alien in the pit whilst navigating a ledge. They activate a trap, sending blades out of the wall. That is your cliffhanger. Episode 2. Ian uses his coat to get past the blades. Back at the ship, Bennett regains consciousness after having met Barbara. Upon seeing her again, he demands to go back to the safety of his room. The pit monster finds his way to the ship and Barbara kills it. It was actually Vicky's pet and Barbara has killed it. Minus one point for Barbara. Or how she longs for the time before Barbara ruined everything. Back when it was just a tyrannical alien and no pet murdering friends. Ah, oh, memories. The doctor tries to convince Vicky that Barbara is nice, that killing pets is fine. She's not having it. So he tries to break into Bennett's room instead. 
The others have a laugh and joke about time travelling and ages and killing pets throughout time and space too, probably. Meanwhile, the Doctor is determined to break into Bennett's room. He's almost through now. Remember, when making new friends, determination is the key. Determination and pet killing. Once inside, he finds that ba Bennett isn't there and there's no pets to kill. But he does have a secret entrance to a nearby cavern where he finds Bennett dressed as Kequillian. Oh, shock. During the ensuing fight, two aliens come to the doctor's rescue and scares Bennett off. Kequillian, did you say? Yes. Okay. Just writing it down in my book. You can just write the first name down if you want. K. Yeah. Okay. It'll save you time. And space, you can write it more times on one page. K, 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 k. Not cock, as you were intend. Why would you write cock? That'd be stupid. Where were we? The Doctor then awakens in the TARDIS and invites Vicky to travel with them. Now that she's got nobody left in the planet, Bennett is a psycho and her pet's been murdered, she decides to travel with her new best pet-murdering friends. They then leave. And obviously not having had enough fun with ledgers recently, the Doctor decides to land the TARDIS on one, which promptly falls. One point for physics. Final score, Barbara nil, physics one, gatekeeper one. Ian didn't get any points then, though? No. Quite right. He doesn't deserve any points. If that's how you're going to play it, that's how I'm going to score it. <laughs> Stop trying to turn Doctor Who into sports. It's not sports. Everything is sports. I, I just thought we should mention right now that yeah. apparently this story is one of the highest... Uh, had the, one of the highest ratings ever for Doctor Who. In fact, it's joint fifth in, in all Doctor Who, including the new series. You know the obvious reason for that is? What is the obvious reason for Susan's that? Susan's left. But surely shouldn't the next episode have been the same way? Why just this one? Did they think, Susan's left, let's see this episode. Oh, it's not really any good at all. There's no watch anymore. <laughs> Let's not watch any more until 2006. They they obviously realised that Bab is still there. Ah. Ah. So the one after Barbara leaves, it should be very big ratings. It should be, yes. So, Bennett, the, mm. the hero, before we know he's a villain, well, mm. he's not really a hero because he's just lying around all day. He's doing what everyone dreams. Uh, he's, he's never had it so good because he's got his own, own little section of the crashed... Uh, cabin mm. thing. Oh, the, the crash rocket. Yeah. He, he's lying around. Vicky's w watching waiting TV on him. all day. He doesn't seem to have an TV. He's got does. a TV cabinet that opens and closes, but there's no TV in there. There's just mm. a tape recorder of his own voice. Maybe so he's, he's got somebody doing a puppet show in there. Could be, or maybe he's just very narcissistic and likes to listen to his own voice all day. Oh, that's Bennett for you. Or it could be. It could be us. Maybe, maybe he does his own podcast. <laughs> Bennett's podcast. Oh, uh, this is me on Dido. Yeah. I haven't killed Vicky's pet yet, but I will one day. And then Barbara beat him to it. That would be a shame, wouldn't it? Uh, Spoilers. <laughs> you really oh. the story. Uh, so, yeah, he's got Vicky waiting on him hand and foot. Mm. Well, just hand, really, apparently, because he can't walk. 
but but considering mm. he can't walk, he does he does a lot of walking in this story, doesn't he, Gav? Yes, but only in his second personality. Well, in his in his other personality, he there's another bit where he actually stands up, and he apparently holds the door shut twice. Does it? One for Coquillion. Mm. Say that again, Coquillion. And another time for the Doctor, who has to bash it in for five minutes, as you mentioned in your story. But he wasn't holding it in there. Well, he was holding it in none of the times, but, but apparently he was. Vicky was convinced that he was holding the door closed. Ah, but Vicky's only ten. And she has a crazy, crazy pet, apparently. Which we'll get on to in a minute. Did you notice the battleships on the computer? I did, and uh, it seemed like they'd only just started the game, though. Yeah, because there was just yeah. one... Uh, yeah. It was, it was like a radar screen, but apparently it was battleships on the computer. Mm. She was playing with the uh, with the people who were rescuing her. Yeah. wasn't Maybe. wasn't very advanced for the year twenty four ninety three or whatever it was. Do you think uh, if that Vicky had won, they wouldn't come and rescue her? After are you say, are you saying rescue people aren't yeah. that you know are quite sensitive? Yeah, I would say so. Actually, talking about the rescue people, they didn't end up needing them at all ever in, in, in the last place, did they? No. So these rescue people who were called out, mm. maybe there's another emergency on another side of the galaxy, but they went mm. to rescue them. Mm. They went to rescue them in Planet Dido, and there was no one there. That was just, yeah. a, that was just, that's just wasting a journey for rescue people. That's just like yeah. calling the ambulance for a prank call. People yeah. died because of that. That's 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 so shocking. It is shocking for an for an international space rescue service. They they couldn't even they couldn't even rescue her pet. I'm going to write a complaint to who will you write a complaint to to the international space rescue service. The the rescue but, yeah. people did say yeah. that they, they they would take sixty nine flying hours to get mm. to Vicky. Yeah. I did wonder what they would do after that. Did they, would they swim after that? Mm. Sixty nine flying hours, three swimming hours, and two walking hours. Mm. Is that what it is? Is it like is it like Google Google Maps? <laughs> How do we get there? Where we have to we have to, we have to fly, and then and then we have to swim for a bit, and then we walk. Then right? ca- catch the number thirty two current. <laughs> yes. Oh, so oh, when so they when they yeah. swim, would they meet bump into one of the Daleks trying to <laughs> trying to relax with the fishes? It also suggests that uh, sort of flying hours are a different sort of time to uh, any other sort of hours. Well, they are. Time flies when you're flying, don't they say? So, like driving hours, it would probably be like 187. Driving hours, but driving flying is it's, uh, so long when you're driving. Yeah. So I'm told. Yeah, this is why I don't drive. Well, exactly. I get people to drive for me, preferably on rails and things. I get people to drive up the wall for me. Me? Yes. (laughs) I get you to drive up the wall for me. There were a few comedy moments in this episode I didn't notice. So you said, what would be one of them? One of them would be, what do you mean much of what I said? I haven't said yet. You said this previously before we started recording. 
uh, and one of them was at the beginning when, when I think you mentioned the doctor was uh, asleep and there was another comedy moment with Ian well Ian and the doctor were, were going along in a ledge and mm. there was like a growling and, and Ian pointed the torch at the doctor's face and said what was that and the doctor said well it wasn't me pointed down there mm. Of course, uh, William Hartnell did a lot of comedy acting before mm. uh, before he became Doctor Who, mm. so that that came into play, and it'll come into play more in the next story with the Romans. But uh, mm. yeah, I did I did mm. like a, you know a bit of bit of comedy that they have there because they're very good at it. Mm. Yeah, I also like uh, the bit with the uh, pit monster, and uh, Ian said uh, mm-hmm. it's got eyes after he shone the uh, torch at him. Yes, there's very few yes. creatures that size that don't have eyes. Yes, it's, it, it was like a complete surprise to him that, that an animal has eyes. Yes, even <laughs> even bats who, well, the bats can see, but they don't. They they've generally evolved to live in the nighttime, mm. haven't they? So that they don't uh, compete with the birds for the same um, food source. Mm. Bit of science for you there. Yeah, I always like a bit of science. So they are. Batman could have easily become Birdman. Just depending on which which uh, which animals ended up going for the night time. <laughs> or Mothman. If he had a light on. If he had a light on, he'd just be staring at the light all day and he wouldn't have bothered training. Light to man. Be, he wouldn't have trained to become Batman because he'd just be staring at the light all day. And Alfred would be coming over to him with food saying, Please, Master Bruce, stop staring at the light. I would like to read a comic of Batman looking at the light. <laughs> I'm sure it was done like in the 1950s. I'm sure there was a six-parter of Batman looking at the light in the 1950s. Once I was going to mention mm. this in the last episode, mm. but again this happened. The scanner is just rubbish. It's like the TV they have in the TARDIS to show them what's outside. But this time, it, it couldn't even show... It, like, it could be a cave, it could be night, it could be Batman close-up. They didn't know what it was. It could be a Dalek with a sucker over the camera. That it could be. Outside, obviously. It could be the absence of celebrity. They just didn't know what it was. The scanner is just, like, useless. It is useless. I'm surprised, I'm surprised it hasn't been located on the fault locator. <laughs> They're probably on the same circuit. That would be very silly. I think they've learned their lesson from Edge of Destruction. Mm. By learned their lesson, I think you... I, I mean, they should have tr- taken more drugs. <laughs> or probably killed each other. Yes, this is why Susan left. She was the one that was ruining everything. Speaking mm. of Susan... Do we have to? That worked out well. Yeah. Uh, nice moment when, she, when the doctor mm. went to call on her. At the start of the episode, well, mm. towards the start of the episode. Yes, I know we're still talking mm. about the start of the episode. Um, you know, when when they went to leave the TARDIS after they looked at the scanner. Mm. And he said, uh, Susan, and then he just realised that she was gone. I like that. It's, it's a nice little nod. It's his granddaughter. He did double lock her out of the doors in the last episode, though. But it doesn't mean he still doesn't care for her. Just because he doesn't see her again until <laughs> 1983 <laughs> in our time doesn't mean he doesn't care about her. And then Barbara and Ian were talking about Susan. Right. And Barbara said, you know, Barbara was talking about Susan and, he, 
Uh, and, and he was, and Barbara said, well, if I know anything about David, who's the guy that, she, that Susan went off with, mm-hmm. is that she's learning to milk cows, which seems a very odd thing to say, given the fact that Barbara, I think, met him for about five minutes. And anything, I yeah. don't know if there's anything in the Dalek invasion of Earth that made me think, yeah. you know what, you know what, after this episode is finished, what I really want to see... <laughs> Is Susan milking cows? Well, maybe that was just uh, Barbara showing how much she actually doesn't know about David. Yeah, there was the bits mm. with the uh, Dido with, guy. Yeah, with Coquillian. Coquillian, as you yes. rightly point out. Uh, yeah, well, where, where you said he, he asked them the questions three. Mm. I can't remember what it was, but it was it was basically just what it was the way he was talking. It was just what is your favorite color? <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't ask what their favorite color was. But I think he literally did ask them three questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was like, uh, "Where is your rocket? How what much are you doing here?" <laughs> And what is the wind speed velocity of a dido swallow? Oh, it's okay. I don't know that either. And also, for some reason, he carried a ceremonial monkey wrench with him around, which was which was mm. dual. Well, as Ian called it, a dual club. He should upgrade to a sonic wrench. He should do. What he wouldn't do for a good sturdy sonic wrench. So apparently. This was the uh, first instance of the Doctor knowing he was on an alien planet. Well, he didn't know he was on an alien planet in the Daleks on Skyrim. Well, knowing the planet that he was on. Uh, knowing the planet he was on before he was there. Yes. I'm well, saying it worse than you are. Yes. Knowing, knowing yes. being on the planet and before and then arriving again. Yes. That's it. We got there eventually. Yes, we got the words in the right order eventually. Such is Bar Humbug. It's actually yes. a nice beer, but we're not getting there yet. Because it becomes uh, quite a big a big staple during the later series. Because the Doctor seems to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Every time they land somewhere, he's like, Oh yes, I remember this place mm-hmm. back in 96. You know, he's been to a yeah. few places. Yeah, he's... And if you've been following my... But just a few... And if you've been following my uh, blogs on the website as well, they've been trying to fill in the blanks in between and stuff, and, he, and they've yeah. been to a lot of places. And even make up some blanks in between. Yeah. But depending if you believe the uh, expanded universe or not. And some of them are quite good. Um, I, I did notice, mm. there, you know, on, there was on the spaceship, there were, there were things in the background and stuff, you know, obviously they were just put into... Mm fill out the episode one of them was a retro telephone that was that was behind Vicky at one point which I'm not sure why it was there yeah did she use that when she went to contact the uh, no. No? no no she used the battleship screen uh. and the uh, the microphone so either she was re- she was talking to the rescue people or she was recording a podcast about mm. battleships yes rescue ship coming K7, and how far are you away? H4 to both questions. But one of them with flying hammers. Yes. <laughs> I thought you said flying hammers for a second. 
the other one has battleship hands. I thought I thought I thought battleships changed quite a lot in four hundred years. Each <laughs> seven with flying hammers. <laughs> it's one of the special cards you can play. Well, uh, anyway, I see you drinking the uh, beer there, Gav. How are you enjoying that? I'm enjoying that quite quite well. I, I think I'm pretty further on than halfway, which is quite good considering we're halfway through the podcast. So this is uh, another one of the uh, Witchwood Brewery brews. What ones have we had of them before, Gav? Uh, we've had Hobgoblin and Goliath. So this is three of the Witchwood Brewery now we've mm. had. We, we, we've already got to stop drinking them on, on uh, the podcast. I think we should do every single one. Don't we, we want to do a, uh, a plethora of of, of uh, different kinds. But this is one of the seasonal ones. You can only get it at this time of year. Yes. Well, Christmas is finished. Drink up. It's the end. We're now into 2012. I know. We are literally travelling in time. We are Whilst drunkenly travelling tribe. Do you like the beer? I really enjoy it. It's uh, it's very tasty. Yes, I, I do like the cinnamon taste in it. it it's, yeah, it's got a very subtle cinnamon hint to it. Yes, I didn't actually know it was cinnamon until I read the back of it. Mm. But it is it is quite a nice. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's not a it's not a usual kind of dark beer. But it is yeah. you know, a bit, I, bit of a cinnamon taste. Yeah, it leaves a very pleasant aftertaste. And I would heartily recommend it. But you can only buy it during the winter period in December. Yeah, you can only buy it in December. Because I think they do 12 mm. seasonal beers a year or something. Yeah, it's part of their sort of seasonal range. They've got 12 and they sell one within the monthly period, if you like. So it's like Angry Birds. Yes. If only they could link up and there was Angry Birds and Witchwood Brewery did beers for Angry Birds. Bluebird beer. And why don't they do Angry Dinosaurs? Because they're the same thing, apparently. Sometimes it's better not to be evolved. Well, I mean, if, if you talk to birds, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, if you're going to talk to birds, they're going to say, yes, we'd rather be dinosaurs. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm possibly look cats. At us, look at us! Look at us with these fucking shitty wings and feathers. We're just birds. I'd rather be a fucking dinosaur. Did you see that Steven Spielberg in his Jurassic Park? I could open doors and shit, but no, I'm just a bird. <laughs> That's why they're angry, <laughs> because they're not dinosaurs. So should we get back to the episode? Yes, Gav. What yes. would you like to talk about in the episode now? I would like to talk about spikes. Would you? What would you like to talk about spikes? What spike from uh, Buffy or an angel or, or spikes in general? We'll save that for our uh, Buffy and Angel podcast. Okay, which we'll never do. But yes, <laughs> that's our that's our uh, drug-induced Buffy and Angel podcast where we take meth and cocaine <laughs> while watching Buffy. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for it. But uh, yes, at the end of the first episode, some sort of like convoluted sort of like trap system and the activate spikes come out of the wall. Yes. What is this? It, it's, it's almost like a 1930s serial where it's just like, God, we need some kind of cliffhanger quick. Uh, <laughs> let's make spikes come out of the wall. Yeah. 
And then three seconds into the next episode, Ian dropped past it with mm. his coat. Yeah. Which yeah, would, yeah. They make such a furor over uh, these being razor sharp spikes and just the slightest touch will slice everything to bits. And then Ian just puts his coat over him and walks past and then puts his coat back on. Yeah, and his coat isn't ruined at all. No, he's got an invincible coat. Well, unless unless you count the last episode <laughs> where he was wearing his suit during the Dalek invasion of Earth. Through the course of the six episodes, his entire suit was ruined. Yeah. Well, obviously, after that episode, he decided, what I really need is an invincible coat. So where did he get this invincible coat from? From the chocolate bar machine in the Tavis. What, does it just make coats now? Apparently, I don't know. Well, it was going to make coats. They would be in the shape of chocolate bars. Well, he, 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 had, he just, and then he gets a chocolate bar. He had to well, unfold this is really it. What I mean, <laughs> he had to unfold it. Obviously, yes, it was a coat <laughs> inside a chocolate bar. Hey, that would be a good advent calendar. Ah, oh, yes. You, you'd open it. You get a chocolate, and inside you'd open it up, and it'd be a tent. <laughs> or you'd open it up, and it'd be a plasma TV. You eat the chocolate, and it's something bigger inside it. Yeah, and then you get, you get impaled yeah. through the stomach. Yes. That's the dangers of eating it's the TARDIS chocolates. It's the danger zone. Talking of clothes. Yes. Bennett seemed to have a rather strange assortment on. He had, he had like a, well, he kind of had a jacket. Mm. Well, it was more like a jumper that was made of velvet, maybe. But it was only, he could only afford the velvet halfway down his chest. Well, if you're not going to move out of your bed. <laughs> yeah, you can just keep your blanket up just yeah. Yeah. Just, just underneath it. Yes, I'm wearing a whole jumper. What <laughs> makes you think I'm not? It's, it's perfectly obvious. Really? About I, I thought I saw Coquillion wearing that exact jumper. He, he wasn't. What was that name again? Coquillion. Oh, right. That's why he, he calls himself Coquillion. He just likes saying the name so much. Well, maybe helped that everybody would forget it because it's so stupid. Well, he might as well just call himself Bennett. So we've talked about uh, Vicky's quote-unquote pet, (laughs) which is this strange lizard thing that can't walk, Mm. which is a bit like Bennett, only he can't walk and he's just a (laughs) devious cunt. Maybe maybe this, this, this pet can't walk, maybe it can walk as well. Maybe Bennett wasn't pretending to be Coquillian all the time. Maybe he was pretending to be the pet as well. No, I'm saying maybe the pet was pretending to be Coquillian some of the time. Uh-huh. They were like time shifting the uh, the, the, the Coquillian he, thing. He got a timeshare going off. Yes. Interesting theory. Maybe no one likes Vicky, this is what I'm saying. I can't imagine that. Well, you haven't been stuck on Di- planet Dido with her for months. Have they been stuck there for months? And this guy, the, the, her pet that she called Sandy. I think his, his actual the, uh, his actual name was uh, Robert Foster, and he had a very good job in the city on Dido. And he was just she kept calling him Sandy and giving him food, and he's just like, for fuck's sake, I'm better than this. But why I did just he can't keep walk. coming back for more? He kept coming back to give her what for, but then she and gave then him got food. Distracted by food. Yes. It would be a bit like us. 
we've got we've got things to do and then and then I've come to a, complain about that and then throwing you beer what's that beer <laughs> yes yes uh, maybe maybe mm. yes this Robert Foster chief to the stars I yes. think in that case we need to give more credit to Vicky for what uh, for uh, working out the uh, the pet's weakness and giving it what it wants that sounds vaguely sexual Gav is that what she did with the pet? Only in the fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> but she called him Sandy. Yes. Uh, her pet was called Sandy. Maybe well, it was like the uh, old well, Indian naming ceremony where it's the first thing you see. It's yeah, not the best yeah, name, is it? Yeah, it weren't even Sandy coloured or anything. No, he, he was like a strange alien alligator. Yeah. What would you call that, Sandy? I don't know. It's a stupid name. What would you call him? Slimy. <laughs> I would call him... That's what I would call him. But, but at least we can see where, you know, the slither in the last one with the Daleks. Mm. At least we can see where the Daleks get their pets from. Yeah. Uh, well, until mm. uh, Barbara killed them all. <laughs> because she hates pets. This is what we've learned from this episode. That's the she's Barbara just, she's just all pets. pets. Yeah, and as Barbara was about to kill the pet, she goes, uh, it was going to attack you. Mm-hmm. But this this pet, from what you've seen so far, it can barely move. Yes. It was about as fast as the slither. Yes, there's another slither thing. Yeah. You know, the slither couldn't jump or leave the surface of the earth. Mm. This thing... That one was glued to the surface of the earth. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> it had like two... It got two arms. No legs. <laughs> it just crawled along the dirt. And it was going to it, attack. Ah! It crawled along the dirt for food from this strange teenager mm. who gave him food for nothing. And he just crawled along because he had nothing better to do. Apart from being Robert but, Foster in the but city, unfortunately, of. it ran into the pet killer. Yes, have you seen the pet killer? <laughs> <laughs> She's wanted on five worlds for pet killing by the International Space Rescue. Her, her, her Andean. Andean, yeah. Ironically, ironically, the Black Dalek has put in a uh, reward for mm. Ian killing his slither pet. Through International Space Rescue as well. Yeah, the Doctor's not the greatest enemy of the Daleks. It's Ian. <laughs> Ian for killing his goddamn pet. His pet was only three days away from retirement as well, you know. And then and then they have the cheek to say to Vicky, we're not going to ruin this for you. I mean, not more than already. We'll just kill your pet for you. <laughs> we'll kill your pet for you and then we'll not ruin it anymore. Yeah, she, uh, Vicky didn't have a particularly good time in this episode. No. <laughs> she was, ironically, she was fine waiting for the rescuers. And then the four rescuers turned up and ruined her life. <laughs> we'll kill your pets and drag you away from everyone you know. You, you lost your friends, your time period as well, and you're going to travel with bickering old people. Is this, and is, Barbara. Is this good for you? What, is she not old? Well, 
She is, but she's also a pet killer and she's also Barbara. And nobody wants to travel with Barbara. Did, did you notice Barbara getting a bit twitchy finger? You know, when the when the doctor was talking to Vicky? Because he, cause he did talk to her like she was ten. Well, I say ten. It was my, in fact more like a pet. You better watch out for Barbara, then. So I noticed at one point as well, the doctor mentioned that his ship can fly through solid matter whilst in flight. Mm-hmm. It's not something I've noticed uh, in the... Uh, ever recurring again well ever but, in the entire series you mean yeah are you serious? I can't remember are you serious yeah well it materialises within ships sometimes so it obviously can well obviously can it's materialising but whilst in flight it says oh well, they don't do it whilst in flight yeah it, it's not often in flight can't admit it it usually appears in a space that's not occupied by something else so. It, no, he, he didn't say it could materialize in, in you know, mm. in a place. He can say he said it could fly through places well, that, yeah. are, that are solid. He didn't say that it could materialize in places that are solid. We'll get to solid. We'll get to materializing mm. around solid objects and things yeah. in Legopolis in about six years' time. There was a hilarious bit though. Uh, which you mentioned in your in your synopsis with the, the doctor bash, he was trying to get into Bennett's cabin. So so he found something to bash in the door. <laughs> it was brilliant that scene. I'll and then it cut back to Ian, Barbara, and Vicky chatting in in the well the front room of the of the <laughs> of the ship. And that was a few minutes long. And then we go back to the doctor again, and he's still bashing it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised. He, he's still bashing in the door, and I'm surprised he didn't have a heart attack. It would be like, never mind, Vicky. She didn't mean to kill your pet. Meanwhile, I'm going to bash this door in. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. You'll just talk over there for five minutes. Boom, boom. This bastard door isn't going in. Five oh, minutes. here's a handle. I forgot about all that. But it, it, it was great how the, the switch to the other conversation for like about five minutes and then back to the doctor still bashing on the door. Yes. <laughs> Which, of course, leads him eventually to, to uh, the final mm-hmm. confrontation with him and Bennett. Mm-hmm. With the rather pathetic fight. Yeah. Bennett picks up a chair at one point and the doctor finally picks mm-hmm. up a pillow. I'm not sure if they were going to create a comfy chair and make the other one sit in it. <laughs> is this episode all about Monty Python? Because it apparently <laughs> seems <Yeah>. to be. <laughs> Which is probably why the Didoians uh, turned up at that point. Always got the comfy chair out. We're bearing to being. Yes, the Didoians, who were just were, were Aryans. Were they all Aryans? <laughs> all they, they're just waiting for the Daleks to come along and invade. Because they obviously mm. already have the, the pet agreement that they could have pets. <laughs> Where is your pet? Uh, well, all our pets have been killed now by the one that is called Barbara. Is Barbara the Ian's companion? <laughs> we must invade Earth. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have that Earth. Didn't you already invade Earth and, and you tried to burrow into it? Steve, your bookkeeping's <laughs> not up to date. 
That, that darling obviously has a cold. <laughs> but I did like in this episode how the Doctor uh, always throughout it, he kept insisting how good-natured these uh, the indigenous sort of species were. The, the, the Daedoians. The Daedoians, yes. The ones who appeared at the end and didn't say anything and just walked menacingly towards everyone. Yeah. Well, there's got to be a reason why they're doing whatever and they they are good, there's no way that they can be bad or violent or anything like that. He knew what was happening. Well he didn't know exactly what was happening. <laughs> he knew there was something wrong. Yes, given the fact he was asleep for a portion of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's it for the episode. Um, my quote of the episode would be, there's a bit at the beginning, I don't know if you mentioned it in your review, mm-hmm. or synopsis, shall we say, where uh, there's a bit of comedic byplay between Barbara Ian and the Doctor. I suppose that would be triplay. Maybe. Sexual or not. But no. Uh, Barbara... <laughs> Barbara and Ian say about, you know, the doc, the, the, the TARDIS has stopped because the trembling of the console has stopped. And then this happens. And you know how the ship has a, a faint sort of trembling while we're moving when I suddenly realised that it had stopped. I believe you're right, Barbara. I think we have landed. The doctor's never slept through a landing before. Doctor. Doctor. doctor wake up. Hmm? What's the matter? What is it? What is it? Oh, good gracious me. Uh-huh. Don't tell me I went off to sleep. Yes, you did. Oh. And at a very critical time. Oh, oh well. I suppose oh. it did you a world of good. <laughs> Deep in the arms of Morpheus, eh, my boy? <laughs> well, I feel a bit sticky. I'm just going to have a walk. Oh, but, Doctor, the trembling stopped. Oh, my dear. I'm so glad you're feeling better. Mm. No, not me, the ship. I yes. just thought that was quite amusing. It was a very good amusing scene, yes. And uh, my Ian moment of the episode, due to lack of action from Ian, it's uh, it's going to be a stupid Ian moment of the episode. Okay. Basically where he encounters the pit monster and says, he's got eyes. And here it is. He's got eyes. I saw them. Green. <laughs> Used to daylight. Must they come in from the outside? Oh, very good, yes. Very intelligent reasoning. Brilliant. Thank you. It was not classic here, but that's about as good as you were going to get from him today. <laughs> well, he was on his off day today, wasn't he? Well, was, yes, sorry. Yeah, it was, was only two episodes as well. It was only two yeah. episodes. It's better over three or more. <laughs> is that as quotient as it? <laughs> yes. I've decided. Uh, and we've, uh, we've a question today. Excellent. Uh, We've been getting a few questions recently. We have been, which has been been good. Uh, This question is from Stephen, uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, He says, Dear inebriated ones, so maybe you've heard the saying, everything I know I learned from Star Trek, for example. No deed goes unpunished. See evidence, Kirk freeing Khan and Spacey, Tasha Yar going back with the Enterprise C to save the future, Picard refusing to infect Hugh with the virus before returning him to the Borg, and on the flip side, Cisco's actions in the pale moonlight. Do any of those mean anything to you, Not a thing. 
Are you sure? Not, not, a, not a single thing. No, Apart from Tashiar in the pit thing. Tashiar in the pit thing. He didn't even mention Tashiar in the pit. No. no. You just made up things. I made you? up things. Uh, um, anyway, enough about that other show, he says, because it's confusing you quite a lot, Gal. Yes. Uh, what have you learned from Doctor Who? And congratulations on a great show. Well, thank you. It's quite alright. It wasn't me, it was him. I won't I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not congratulating you. I would never congratulate you. No. <laughs> but yes, thank you, Stephen, for, for the congratulations. Mm. So, Gav, what have you learned from, from Doctor Who? The main thing I've learned is uh, in order to hide from someone, all you need to do is stand still against a wall. That's a good thing to have learned. I like that it's, thing. It's, it's going to help me whilst being pursued by ninjas. <laughs> but that's their that's their power as well. They can their power is they can see people when they're hiding behind beside walls. Alright, whilst I'm hiding from non ninjas. Non ninjas, that's fine. Yes. That's fine, you can do that. I hide from non ninjas more than I do ninjas. I've learned that uh, that you shouldn't trust people with facial hair. Which is ironic, given that I've actually had facial hair. And my co-host has uh, excess of it. But given the fact that this episode, Bennett had facial hair, uh, the villain in Marco Polo had facial hair, the bloody master has facial hair, just mm. it, apparently it's bad. And you shouldn't trust people like that. No. However, on, on the flip side... Mm. I've also learned that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Mm. Because, Why? because, yeah. I'm getting to that, the TARDIS looks like a police box, but mm. inside is a time machine. Oh. It's the size of a box, but inside it's huge. The Doctor mm. looks like a human, but he's in fact an alien. And Barbara looks like a normal <laughs> human being, which is not. Yes, and Ian looks like he could really be of some use, and he's useless. Ah, no comedy. There's always comedy with me. But yes, I have learned nothing else. Well, lastly... Yes. You shouldn't be the doctor with a garish, multicoloured coat. But (laughs) we'll get to that. Not ever any problem with the guy in the suit. And once you've wore a garish coat, it's fun to fuck with people. Once you've worn a garish coat, you can't go back. And also, don't uh, kill the rest of your race. Although it seems to have worked out fine for him. They all said completely non-committally <laughs> <laughs> and vaguely. So if, if uh, anyone else has any uh, questions, they can get to us at drunkentimetravel at gmail.com. Yes, or uh, on Twitter at drunktimetravel. As ever, we are available on iTunes. Next time, we're reviewing the Romans. Yes. And indeed. I believe that is the 26th of January. Look forward to that. On Yes. It's up to you. But we'll be doing it anyway. And it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from you. <laughs> <laughs>